Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, everything a Steelers fan could want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. And welcome back in to another episode of Fourth Down in the Steel City. You know my face, I'm Chris Mack. You know the other face on the other side of the screen, that's Josh Taylor. There is an interloper between the two of us, however. (laughs) Welcome in from Baltimore, Jeremy Kahn of 105.7 The Fan and the Big Bad Morning Show. Before he tells you why you should be worried about the Ravens coming to Heinz Field, I'm never going to call it Akersher Stadium here in just a moment. Let me remind you that you need to subscribe to 4th Down in the Steel City. And whether you're getting it on YouTube and tapping that little notification bell below our faces here so that you get reminded when new videos are available or... You're getting the audio-only version, and you're following or subscribing to the podcast, however you get your podcasts, hopefully, most likely, inside that free Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Make sure you're doing so there, leaving some ratings, reviews, comments, whatever, um, and we will get you ready now for what is the classic AFC North matchup, Steelers-Ravens. Again, Jeremy, thanks for making the time, man. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I just don't know. Am I close enough to my camera? Because I don't know if you guys' heads in Pittsburgh are bigger than mine because I have this watermelon uh, up here on the top of my shoulders, and it just looks like your guys' heads are bigger than mine. So I'm like, Lena, do I get do I get in closer, or how do you, you make this work? That's because we have to be smarter in order to make sense of whatever our coaching staff is trying to doing and what our players are up to on any given week. So we need more gray matter. Um, yeah, that makes that's sense to me. Yeah. That's that's what I'm going to go with. Anyway, um, let's start here. It looks like that the Ravens offense is getting healthy just in time for this one. Um, how much should Steeler fans be worried that it's not going to just be Zay Flowers and Mark Andrews? We might get Odell. We might get uh, it, it looks like a number of pieces back for the Ravens this weekend. Yeah, there's a there's a bunch of guys like I, I saw the uh, Vince McMahon meme out there where it's like he's getting excited and you see how much more excited he gets. And it's like Odell's coming back and Humphrey. And yeah, so like Keaton Mitchell is another guy that we're interested here as far as the running game goes. But like the other names are more important. Marlon Humphrey coming back. 
um, as these guys have practiced a little bit more this week. Some guy, some of the the names you heard were limited. Some practicing full. Getting Ronnie Stanley back. Um, yeah, they've had some key injuries. They should be four and zero. The coach's fault for not calling a timeout and changing the the fair catch against the Colts um, as they put a few seconds on the clock. But getting healthy now, you just wonder how much better can this offense get? The defense has looked really good uh, thus far. There's been some bend don't break, but now that they're healthier and figuring out some of these pieces and and even like kicking the tires on a Kyle Van Noy and bringing him in, and he actually has a pretty good game. So. Uh, I think the defense is really good, and the offense, once they figure it out, um, Zay Flowers is special. For anybody who hasn't watched him, I know everybody's talking about him now, but there's a lot of similarities. I'm not calling him Tyreek Hill, but in their games, there's a lot of similarities there. Uh, so I, I really like it. It's finally weird to talk about wide receivers on Baltimore and not be mm. just bashing them. But um, there is some talent here, but they still, you know, look, it's, it's the NFL. If you guys have been watching it, like I've been surprised as much as any fans or anybody out there week to week going, what the hell's happening here? Like, what are coaches doing? What are, I, I don't need to tell you guys in Pittsburgh, but like, <laughs> you know, you start watching things and you're like, what am I actually watching here with what's going on? And, you know, with the Ravens, they should be 4-0. I think people should be talking more about them, but they had the hiccup against the Colts. And, you, you know, I can give you all the cliches with the Steelers matchup. You throw the records out and we see what happens. And I really feel like the game's still going to be that way, but it uh, should be a fun one come Sunday. You mentioned Zay Flowers, and Mike Tomlin had a lot to say about Zay Flowers. And obviously, he got a good look at him playing at Boston College while Tomlin was playing there. So, of course, he's going to see a lot of close. But sticking on the, the subject of this Ravens offense, and we kind of talked about a little bit before we started this uh, this recording. But we talked about, you know, what this offense used to look like with Greg Roman. But now Todd Munkin has taken over. He comes over from Georgia, not the only team to bring in a guy from Georgia in the offseason, <laughs> but Todd Munkin comes over from Georgia and this offense looks a lot different. Lamar Jackson's getting results out of it. And we already talked about how the Greg Roman era used to look because Baltimore fans kind of look at the Greg Roman era, probably how Pittsburgh fans look at the Matt Canada era right now. What's the difference been? Like how, how is it really black and white, the Technicolor, or is it a little bit more, not as, not as uh, clear to see? Well, I think people had some questions initially, like um, especially when you if you watch the first half against the Colts, you're going, what is this offense? But they've also had some injuries. I mean, you've we were talking about how great the wide receiving core is and finally having a plethora of guys that you feel like you can rely on. And then last week, they don't have Odell Beckham. They don't have Rashad Bateman, who both of those guys have practiced this week. We haven't seen anything from Bateman yet. Like it's kind of alarming where you're going, hey, this was the guy that had that one, the fastest touchdown last year for the Ravens when he took that slant to the house. Um, there's talent there, just wondering how do they mix it up. I do think we've seen a difference in the offense and philosophy um, in some of the blocking schemes and things that we've seen, but also passing. They've, they, they made a conscientious effort in the first two weeks to get Zay the ball, and his targets have been there, but you know we haven't seen them push it down the field as much. We've seen a couple of those places, Zay, but realistically with Odell coming back, Zay there, we want to see them kind of take some chances down the field. They have the offense now. They have the speed to do it, to stretch it and set up other stuff, even if they're not completing those passes. But I have seen a difference. Um, and even something just as simple as what we talked about before the show, the play calls coming in. Last week wasn't the greatest, uh, as some of the things were a little bit later than we would have liked, I think. Um, but Lamar last year under Greg Roman was getting play calls in at like five seconds or getting to the line. He's got no time to change the play. So now he does have that opportunity. So – um, and we'll see. We'll see if he's making the right decisions. But I do think Lamar reads the defense way better than people give him credit for. And I think that's been one of the benefits of just having Giro out and bringing Munkin in. 
why have the Steelers been Lamar's kryptonite in the past? It's the only team in the league uh, that he's played at least four times that he doesn't have a rushing touchdown against. It's the only team that he's played multiple times that he's lost more to than he's won more against. The only team that he's got more picks than TDs against. Um, it's weird. It, it, it's it's a very weird thing. I mean, to the extent, Jeremy, it didn't make sense at the time, but you had some numb nuts in Steelers Nation who this offseason were like, oh, that's bring him on back. I'm happy to see the Ravens bring Lamar back, which is just insanity because you can see how impactful he is and that he is the the engine for this offense. But why has it not worked for him against the Steelers so often? Did you just call Pony numb nuts? Is that what just happened? <laughs> was it that obvious? Referencing <laughs> <laughs> Pony? <laughs> no, nah, man, I love Pony, but like, yeah, I, you know. I, it's hard to say, um, you know, like why this is. Like sometimes it is about matchups. Maybe they they defend them better because I'm watching the games. I don't necessarily like in, when you throw those stats at me. I don't think about them and saying, "Oh my God, Lamar's had some struggles against the Steelers." And you realize, hey, he hasn't had that rushing touchdown. He hasn't looked like he has against other teams. Like people would say it about Cincinnati, and I'm like, well, he doesn't have a problem with them. Cincinnati had a really good year and beat the crap out of the Ravens twice. Um, took him out behind the woodshed, but you know, like there's not that same vibe there. And maybe the hatred and the rivalry starts or they figure out some things about Lamar, but yeah, the Steelers really have done a nice job. Um, TJ Watt, I, I'm wondering what it looks like now when Lamar has a little bit more free reign with the offense and he can change plays because the one thing the players and the teams have said, when he changes a play at the line of scrimmage, they get really excited because again, the, the guys believe in him, they buy into it. And, um, I think Lamar's a way better player than people give him credit for. If I'm if I'm the Steelers, I'd rather see Huntley or anybody else if they were going to draft a rookie quarterback and go through that motion again. Um, I, I don't know how you guys feel about Pickett, but like it's kind of hard to look at. It. Like when I look at him, I go, "Is he given a fair chance in this offense?" Um, but I just kind of feel like he's a guy when I watch him play. I see some good things. Don't get me wrong, but is he just another one of those guys, a flash in the pan kind of? Can I compare him to some of the other quarterbacks in this league that really haven't done much? Or am I not giving him enough credit because Matt Canada's got a handcuff on that offense and it's not fair to even criticize him that way? So um, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I, I don't know why they've done such a good job against Lamar, but they have. They've done a they've done a fairly good job of keeping him in the pocket and making him a passer. Now with the weapons they have, is that going to be a bad thing now? We will find out on Sunday. Jeremy, you mentioned Kenny Pickett, so let's shift over to the guys that Kenny Pickett's going to face with this Ravens defense. Now, the last time the Ravens came to Pittsburgh last season and they faced Kenny Pickett, Patrick Queen, they came in on the blitz in the A-gap, and Kenny Pickett wasn't in the game anymore. Now, he's walking into this game with a bone bruise on his knee, and he says he's going to try to gut it out. But guess what? Patrick Queen and, and Ro um, the uh, other linebacker, my name, name Roquan. escaped yeah. me. There, Roquan. Roquan Smith, thank you. Both of these guys are still on that defense. And Mike Tomlin talked about just how good these off-ball linebackers are and how the tradition changes or continues for Baltimore, how it hasn't changed, how the faces change, but the tradition for good off-ball linebacker play hasn't. When you think about this particular group, and we talked about how good the offense has been for Baltimore, but this particular group, even with the addition of Kyle Van Noy and some of those injury issues and maybe even getting you know a guy like Humphrey back, what kind of play from this defense has been different and how much of it has been the same from last year? I think it's kind of the, the full season from Roquan. He's the guy that changes everything, in my opinion. And with all, um, with all due respect to Mike McDonald, um, I do love the Doobie brothers, but 
I'm not sure if they're going to get it. No, I'm sorry. I don't want to get into that little blue-eyed soul. No, we've been doing that. I love it. Yeah, but but with all due respect to him, once they made the move and got Roquan, like, it changed everything. Patrick Queen looks like a different player. It's almost like he said, hey, hey, little brother, I'm going to take all the stress that you had here. You just go out there, see the ball, you know, hit the ball. Like they say in baseball, if somebody has it, just run and lay them out. And he's done a better job of – being that guy, and he's going to get paid a lot of money in the offseason, not by the Ravens, uh, to be that guy because they, they can't pay two off-the-ball linebackers the type of money they paid Roquan. But I think that's where it starts. Like Roquan had this statement when they were going into Cleveland and said, I want to make them cry in front of their wives and children talking about the players and their fans. And everybody's like, oh, my God, you gave him bulletin board material. And Roquan said, we play in the NFL. If you need bulletin board material, something's wrong with you. And um, he said about the Steelers this week, yeah, he – he basically said that he doesn't consider himself a Raven until he beats the Steelers this season. And, like, he puts this on his shoulders, but I haven't seen a linebacker like him in this league since, if you want to go Patrick Willis, everybody wants to make the comparison to Ray Lewis here, obviously, but he's great, man. He's just – he's fun to watch. If he's on your team, you're going to love him. I'm sure Steeler fans are going to hate him for the next couple of years that he's in Baltimore, but um, he does make everyone better, and I think everybody feeds off it. And the weird thing is, like, Jadavian Clowney was talking about him going – I've never – he said, I have friends in the league that I played with for a long time, and I've never seen anyone that plays as hard as this guy. Um, so they were trying to bust his chops. Marlon Humphrey had his podcast, Punchline or whatever, and he's up there. And he and Patrick Queen put on their sunglasses on the flight home and just said, we're not talking to you. Leave us alone. You know, they're, they're just built different. And I think it starts with those guys up front. Um, the pass rush, we had concerns about it. They're banged up there. There's a bunch of guys that you might call a little bit more tryhards and actually like we don't have a TJ Watt just yet. Um, not many teams do, but you know, they'll, they'll devise some schemes to get after it. They'll play some different coverages. And then Kyle Hamilton's kind of an X factor because I mean, thinking about it, there's really not a position for him in the NFL. He's kind of like a yeah. Swiss army knife. And I think McDonald's used him extremely well. And he's been a valuable asset. I think a lot like I'm not calling him Troy Palomalu. So I don't want anybody to get their feelings hurt or anything, but he does a lot of things that Palomalu did to the Ravens like you know you, you saw you saw him coming off the line you saw some of the tackles he makes he's great in coverage he's great um in covering tight ends and some of the guys in the slot he's also great at tackling so uh PFF grades him highly I think he's another guy that you have to look out for hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So you bring up all the weapons in the secondary and second level. And it's it's just another reason why I would hope the Steelers build the game plan this weekend around the idea of protecting Kenny Pickett and not asking him to do too much. Cause it sounds like he's going to play and whether it's Pickett or Trubisky, I don't think it really matters. They ought to lean into their run game because they have yet to really solidly do that this year a bit uh, in the Vegas game. But all that is a way to ask those guys up front that you talk about, Jeremy um, Matabuke Pierce, Washington, um, are they – the Steelers have not been able to get their run game untracked. Is that a, a worry, I guess, of Ravens fans that maybe finally the Steelers have an opportunity to get things going? Because the defense has been good. It, 
the run defense, though, if there's a soft spot in this defense, may be it. I think that's very fair. Um, you know, they when you talk about being able to run on it, like Cleveland really didn't get a chance to show it as much because no Nick Chubb. Um, and with all due respect to the other guys are there, there's a big difference in trying to tackle that guy. Um, and then when you look at some of the other games, like the Colts had their backup running backs. And some of these some of these teams, I mean, Joe Mixon was the one guy you could look at, but that offense just couldn't get going. They were just yeah. toast. So, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that, that the way to attack this team and, you know, the familiarity that these guys have, I do like their pieces up front. They're younger. You know, you mentioned some of the guys. Matt Abuke's been a, an absolute beast. Jones. I mean, you could talk about a lot of the guys that are there. There's some real talent. But um, I, if we were going to talk about something, their depth at cornerback had been an issue. But now getting Humphrey back and the way that Brandon Stevens and some of the other guys have played um, kind of go, okay, well, the, the pass defense should be good if they can get to the quarterback. I think the way to attack this team is to try to run the football and set them up with some play action uh, when you can. Because, look, Roquan's a surefire tackler. I don't know if I'm the guy that wants to run it up the middle at that cat. But if I can keep them away from them and set up some other stuff, maybe some counters, different things, um, and keep them at bay, and maybe even mix in the quarterback running a little bit. And I know with Kenny Pickett's knee issue, like I don't, I don't know how much he'd be able to move or how mobile. Trubisky's mobile as well. Maybe you got to use some of that too and work your quarterback in to keep him at bay and, and change up the defense a little bit. But up front, I would say the way to beat this team is with, with a strong run game. I just don't know if the Steelers are going to have enough to do that on Sunday. And I just haven't seen enough. Speaking of run games, let's talk about Baltimore's because, you know, you have to go without J.K. Dobbins if you're this offense, but you still have some other options. There's Gus Edwards. There's uh, there's Melvin Gordon. There's Justice Hill. And these guys collectively, we add them all up. They're right about four yards a carry between the three of them. So it's not like they're not doing the job. Granted, yes, Lamar is their leading rusher, but it's not like these running backs haven't at least been efficient when getting opportunities. What's it been like watching these guys try to mix these three in and trying to find something that works in conjunction with Lamar doing what he does. Yeah, what Melvin Gordon, Kenyon Drake, it's a who's who of where did you find these guys? How long have they been on the team? You hit him on the practice squad? What, we can still do that? That type of thing. <laughs> um, and then now, like, Keaton Mitchell's practicing again, who, again, another young guy that I think we're pretty excited about from preseason, thinking that maybe there's some different type of player, but Gus Edwards feels that he could be a guy that plays in this league and, and contributes. But, um, yeah, the loss of J.K., like, we were all – the big talk in the offseason was, can they pay J.K. because he wanted to make money? And then he comes out and tears the Achilles after having the knee injuries. I don't know what you do in this situation because he's going to have to sign a prove-it deal to try to come back and get his fifth year and show a team that he can play. But no matter what he does, the four years he's been in the league, he's been hurt every single year. So how do you, how do you pay that guy? Now, picking up the pieces, Gus Edwards is still a guy that averages five yards a carry. Uh, but he's coming off of an injury, and you know, we're, I think they're bringing him back a little slower than they typically would. Justice Hill is a guy they've had high hopes for, but he's never really been given um, an opportunity cost there. Like he doesn't get his ten or twelve carries a game. Maybe we see a little bit more of that. And I think they just kind of ride the hot hand. That's what I believe is going to happen. So it, the other interesting part of the the Ravens' offense is they try to attack the Steelers and what has worked and what hasn't worked in the past. Jeremy is that. Like Mark Edwards has caught a decent number of balls in the games that he's played against the Steelers, but I want to say it's it's a, only a little better than 50% on targets to Andrews that have been completed. And I don't know, I, I don't think he has a receiving touchdown, for example, against the Steelers. Um, and, and I want to say he had maybe, maybe one. A anyway, the point remains, Ed, uh, Andrews is another guy who hasn't had huge days against the Steelers, despite the fact that the Steelers 
traditionally year after year get absolutely roasted by tight ends in the middle of the field and coverage. So um, is there is there anything to Mark Andrews perhaps having a day where he goes off? I know that that traditionally that's the way they get it done, but with Zay Flowers, with the other receivers, it has been diversified a bit in the past game. What should we expect from Andrews? Yeah, I mean, another guy like last week, you know, the two touchdowns that he had against Cleveland, the one of which I think it had like a 3% chance of being completed as he jumps up over two defenders and catches the ball. Like, he's a difference maker. Um, the one thing I've always said when people said, hey, who's going to be the guys getting all the passes? Is it going to be a week-to-week thing? And I said, yeah, I believe it's week-to-week here. But Mark Andrews is the one guy that's always going to eat at the table. I mean, he's always going to get his targets. Um, I think in years past, like if I were defending – the, the Ravens, I would want to keep uh, Lamar in the pocket, make him a passer, and I'd want to try to take away Mark Andrews as much as I could. I don't think you can double him as much as you'd like to now with the weapons that they have on the outside. Um, and, you know, Odell still looks pretty good. Just the big question is, will he stay healthy for – will he play more games than he doesn't? So I, I do think you're playing with fire a little bit with that type of thinking that I want to take Mark Andrews out of it and seeing if the wide receivers can step up. It all depends on how you tackle because – they're going to throw some underneath stuff to Zay. They're going to try to get the ball in his hands. And, I mean, we've said it before, like the guy can make you miss in a telephone booth, and he did that last week. I mean, he, he gained an extra four or five yards, but the highlight play of the instep and the jump back was almost as good as Bijan in London as he stepped left, stepped right, and hey, which way is he going? Um, so I, I think from an offensive standpoint, Mark Andrews is still a guy you have to acknowledge in the red zone and try to take him away. But Lamar's going to go to these other guys as well. So – um, there's finally weapons there. I think it's the best way to try to beat the Ravens, but I do think you're playing with fire if Lamar's on and he's seeing the field well. Jeremy, I hate even asking this question under normal circumstances, but given the way these two teams play the games when they face each other and given whom each team has on each side, you got Justin Tucker on one end and Chris Boswell on the other. And these guys figure into how these games turn out when these two teams face each other. We've seen Justin Tucker used in a lot of different situations for Baltimore. And of course, earlier this season, you saw that game against Indianapolis where things were just, it really got down into the muck and got kind of ugly and sloppy, low scoring game. And these games aren't much different, traditionally speaking, as far as history tells us. Are, are we looking at another game where, all right, the kickers could be a big part of this, but at the same time, you know, I hate to even say this, but Justin Tucker not looking like Justin Tucker feels weird. Yeah, I, I think our, our expectations of him, he's still the greatest kicker in the history of the league. I've seen that yes. guy do, I mean, it's just unreal. I don't think that he's faded. I don't think he's a, like the one that he tried in the indie game was a 61 yard field goal that fell about a yard and a half, two yards short, but it was still looked like, still looked like if you took the goalpost and went like this, it was still going to go down the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, he, the guy's just amazing, but I do like, I mean, I know we're going to get to prediction time and, um, but when, when we get to it, like, I think this is a field goal game. Like to me, I'll, I'll be taking the Steelers plus the points. I would not be shocked if they won the game. And I know that's such a silly thing that people would say, but I I think it's the right side. And you, Mac, we've talked uh, handicapping and done gambling together. I mean, this is what I do. I I think the Steelers are a live dog this week. I can't give you a great explanation why, but the thing that I always go back to, I had an old co-host that worked for the Baltimore Orioles, and he'd always say, you know, a team, when it gets embarrassed, if it's a good team, they usually bounce back and have a good week. Um, I bet on Cincinnati earlier this year, and they embarrassed me against the Ravens when I said that. Um, And then the Steelers going to Houston, like, I still don't know what the hell happened in that game, guys, because Neither do it was <laughs> from a gambling standpoint, it was a it was a great spot for Houston. It really was like for Houston to kind of pull off an upset. But once I heard about their offensive line, I'm going, oh, my yeah. God, they're going to destroy them. And then I'm watching the game going like 
Do they want to be here? Like, what's happening? So I, I think they bounce back and have a good game. I just think the Ravens are a really good team. So it wouldn't shock me to see the Ravens go into Pittsburgh and win. But ultimately, I feel like this game's going to be a field goal game either way. Well, let's get that prediction then, because this is, you know, you lay out all the reasons it makes sense to expect the Steelers to bounce back here, Jeremy, right? Like, they're, they're, pride is injured, they're at home, home underdogs, another reason to maybe lean on them uh, with the points. Um, and it's it's a division game, too. You know, the rivalry, the way Lamar has played against them in the past. Uh, the other side is they're somehow in first place if they win this game, the Steelers, going into their <laughs> bye week. The other side to that is, well, if they lose this game after everything we just laid out, injured pride, um, everything that goes with it, Lamar doesn't usually play well against them, especially at Hines, all of that, then they're really going to be down going into the bye week. And there will be some very difficult questions they'll they should be asking themselves on the coaching staff. So, all that laid out as it is. Tell me, uh, what's what's the Jeremy Con? What's the concrete lock style uh, game script for this one? How's it play out? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Ravens 23-20. Um, I, I think they find a way to win. Here's the deal, though. If the Ravens win this game, I, I think they grab a kind of a stranglehold over this division. And if you're playing in this division, you're just hoping to get in the playoffs because that'll be three road wins against all the opponents in their in their division. So beating Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, Cleveland in Cleveland, Cincy in Cincy, and now all those teams have to come to Baltimore. So I think it's a it's it's a really big uphill battle to try to catch them, and I think the Ravens have a favorable schedule this year. So, um, yeah, I'll say 23-20, and I know when we were talking before, you said you were telling me, Josh, a big fan of the wire. I didn't know if you guys wanted any wire stories before I had to run. Yes, um, we need one. Oh, please. Yes, yeah, yeah. So one of my favorite things that – so one of my, one of my co-hosts on the Big Bad Morning Show is Ed Norris, who was a detective – on the wire, um, the black police commissioner was loosely based upon his life, you know, of some of the things that he went through when he was the Baltimore wow. police commissioner. Yeah. yeah. So um, one of my favorite things about it is people, if you've come to Baltimore, you know, we do have an accent here in Baltimore. Baltimore. They tried they tried it recently in the um, uh, the other series that they had with the police officers. And by the way, yes. the main the main police officer in that show that John Barenthal played, I, I grew up with. So we've talked about that before, I believe. Um, and it's just kind of ironic. And I also played football with the guy that arrested him. So it's just really weird. But so they tried doing the Baltimore accent, right? So they yeah. did it on the show. And some people were getting upset and thought that they did too much. Like, hey, we're going down to Chaps beat, uh, Pit Beef. We'll get some of that great Pit Beef there on and you know, all that. They tried that. So they tried to do that with The Wire. They had a test screening of the first episode. And I don't mean this to be to sound rude or take shots at anyone, but the people came out asking, was there something wrong with the actors? Were, were they trying to be like special needs because of our accent? And I just I find that so hilarious because if you if you meet a true Baltimorean with that terrible, terrible accent, yeah. it's like you understand what they're saying. Like we start leaving letters out of words like going to the library and, you know, yeah. it, we yeah. change words up. Washington. We Why are we we, we, yeah. Jeremy, Jeremy, we don't know anything about weird accents here in Pittsburgh. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about, Donner? We, we, we talk we talk about how the football teams aren't too different in how they play. <laughs> the two cities and how they talk. Not all yeah. the same different. also. Not all that we're not, different. We're not putting French fries and sandwiches down here. That's sacrilegious. I want to eat them first. Um, but anyway. <laughs> that stays no. on its own. Like, we, can't even, we can't even defend that part. You're, you're, you're 100% right on that one. 
But with the wire, though, like what a great series. What a, I mean, and, and the thing that people don't realize is it starts the same way it finishes. Um, basically saying no matter how much you fight drugs, like eventually it just comes back to the same thing. So if we started a, a brand new season of the wire, we would have the Marlowe's. We would have, you know, all these other guys in there, like just new people just take their place. So once they go down, here comes the next person. The game is the game. The game. Yes. Always. It, Thank you, Omar. I, I tell people just the, the thing that sets it apart is the writing itself because it tells a story, but it continues it, because it's a story that ends, but everybody knows that nothing ever ends. It, the story yeah. will continue at some point. There is a point where they will move forward. We just don't see it. And the way they wrote it and tied it all together, I'm, I'm I'm so, absolutely in awe of how they put that together. It, not, it, is, not that, it is one of my favorite TV shows of all time, and I'm not even shy in admitting it. Love not, it. not that it's going to change much, and uh, but like the Orioles closer, Felix Batista, there was a big push for him to come out to Omar's whistle, yeah. and he started doing it, and everybody went nuts. He has no idea what it is. He's coming out. Now we don't get to see it for another year. You got to make it down here and hopefully watch out a game. They close out when the place um, it goes dark and you hear the whistle and he comes oh, out. Man, I'm still of the firm belief, Jeremy, that when Major League Baseball expands, which we all know is going to happen someday yes. any, in the next 10 years, and they realign, right? Because they'll realign too and probably do away as much as some people will hate it. Old heads will hate it. They'll do away with AL and NL. And probably yes. go geographic. The Orioles and Pirates should be in the same division. Like yes. the geography, yes. the shared history in many cases. And now the similar parallels that both franchises are running, although the Pirates are a few years behind the curve. Um, I would be I would be all for that because and I think yes. the baseball fans in both towns are are very just the sports fans in both towns. We've talked about this before, off yeah. and on air. The the sports fans in both towns are so damn similar live yes. and die with their football teams and they just want their baseball teams to consistently be good and, and they hate the ownership teams. of the base and they hate the ownership of their baseball teams. Yeah. And, and so, you know, so much of it, you know, above and beyond the silly accents and the colloquial food is so similar. So um, it's why Pittsburgh and Baltimore, we hate each other, but we hate each other in that brotherly way. Yeah, it should be. And that's what, that's how it should be. Like, you know, I was telling my son who was he wanted to go to some games wearing he's a he's actually a Colts fan and he wanted to go to that game and I'm like dude don't go to the game wearing your you're gonna just if you win everybody's pissed off coming out yelling right. at you if you lose they're rib, like egging you on the entire time and I'm sure he would have been better at that and then he left earlier that game when they oh. thought they lost and then they came back and won so oh, it's still man. hilarious to me but but you know like it is there's 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 a lot of similarities there when you look at our cities and just being blue collar. And I think that's where this rivalry comes in. It's so great. And when they say throw out the records, like you really do it. Yeah. I mean, you throw out the records, like regardless, I can give you all the X's and O's of why the Ravens should win this game. And I'm not the least bit shocked that the Steelers come out with a victory on Sunday. Well, Jeremy, we appreciate the time, man. Seriously. Thanks for doing it. Um, you, it is going to be a hell of a game on Sunday. I think, I hope anyway, because I think if it's close, the Steelers have a chance, but we'll see with Pickett's knee being what it is. Um, and the Ravens getting healthy at just the right time. But thanks again for the time and the insight. Anytime, guys. I appreciate you having me. It's going to be a blast. So I would say good luck on Sunday, but I hope your team loses. No, I'm kidding. There's all this hatred. I'm supposed to hate you guys. I, we got somebody that said to me, like, why do you call it Steelers Week? I said, because every week's Raven Week. Like, it's about who you're playing. Like, that's what yeah. we care about. Here it's so. Ravens Week. That's what we yeah, do. Absolutely. Yeah. Mike Tomlin calls it Ravens Week. That's a good time. 
It's a part of the rivalry. Jeremy, thanks again, man. Anytime, guys.